Well, happy Memorial Day weekend to you. We're so thankful for those who have paid the ultimate sacrifice and our opportunity to gather this day. We are grateful to have you here with us this morning. We know the weather's kind of all over the place these days. Uh, You would think it would be warm and sunny, but obviously we've got a rainy, rainy weekend here. But nonetheless, we're glad you are here with us as we are wrapping up our teaching series called Run Your Race which is based off Hebrews 12 and 13. And as we think about the idea of running your race, one of the most challenging things about the idea of running your race is getting started. And when you get started, oftentimes what happens is it's more difficult and challenging than you thought. At times you experience obstacles, and it's challenging maybe to continue on. And and recently I was watching a show with, with my son, and maybe you know this show, It's a show called Xavier Riddle, Xavier Riddle and the Secret Museum. How many of you guys have seen this show before? Xavier Riddle, okay, all right, all right. So Xavier Riddle, here's what's great about this show. Xavier Riddle teaches you lessons that he himself is trying to understand and work through. And one of the lessons that he was talking about and trying to work through is he wanted to join the track and field team. And he thought it was going to be easy because he liked to run and he thought he was pretty fast. And so he starts to, to do this and starts getting motivated and, and getting pumped up to, to run in this race. But as he's starting to run, he falls and trips. And he falls and trips over the fact that his, his uh, shoes were not tied. And he's like, man, I, I can't believe it. All these kids passed me. Even right when I got started, I, fall, I, 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 was, I was falling and I was tripping up. And, and he's thinking, you know what, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure I can continue on. I feel very defeated. I feel very defeated. And his friends say, well, this was your first time trying. And then they go on to learn about a story in the past. And the story they go to learn about is a woman named Wilma Rudolph. Wilma Rudolph. And this is an incredible story. And the story simply is that this woman, Wilma Rudolph, would go on to be one of the fastest runners ever would be an Olympic winner, but her story didn't start that way. In fact, she had a difficult time running herself. And what you learn about Wilma Rudolph is actually she had a a leg brace on to help her walk and run. And so she wasn't able, able to compete in the way that she would eventually go on to compete or run with her friends and her siblings. And it tells you the story of how eventually she would go on to become one of the fastest women ever to live, one of the fastest people to ever live. And she was looked at and held in high regard because of her accomplishments. But her accomplishments were not attained overnight. Again, there was a lot of failures. There was a lot of uh, times she didn't qualify. A lot of times she didn't win. But she kept going. And then when you listen to Xavier Riddle try again, he's, he's a little more encouraged, but he's still not making the progress he wants. And then eventually he realizes, you know what, just like Wilma Rudolph, I have to keep going. And it's not about how you start, he would go on to say, it's about trying and getting better. It's not about how you start, it's about trying and then you get better over time. And as we think about that for ourselves, as we think about running the race that we are designed to run, the run the the race, not just physically speaking, but spiritually, to run after what Jesus has for us. Really, this, this is a truth statement, even that he was learning, that applies to our own lives, Xavier Riddle was learning. And it's simply this, that to run your race, you have to run your race. 
And you may be like, oh, that makes, that makes sense. Like, I, I don't know. Like, unpack that for me. It, it simply means if you're going to run the race that you are designed to run, you actually have to get running. And that, that may mean you, you trip and fall. That may mean you're not as successful as you would hope to be and you're still continuing to, to flounder a little bit. But despite all that, you continue to persevere and you continue to go. But one of the most challenging parts of this isn't just the idea of once you have obstacles, but it's also just getting started. And sometimes we want to see the whole picture before we get started, but the reality of the matter is we're invited to just take the first step and to continue to put one foot in front of the other. And as we put one foot in front of the other, then we can move towards running and growing and becoming stronger. And even when we experience difficulties and challenges, those things in themselves don't have to derail us, but rather they can be used to help us fully understand how God sees us and defines us and to strengthen us so that we continue to endure and persevere. And as Xavier Riddle said, it's not about, it's not about how you start, it's about getting better. And another way it's been said is this, it's not about how you start, but how you finish. Because we're not just meant to start the race, and we're not meant to just keep going, we're meant to finish. We're meant to finish. We're meant to go the whole way. We're meant to go the whole distance in our own lives. And so today, I really want us to be able to answer this question, how do you finish the race you started? Because this is really what the book of Hebrews is about. He's really telling these Hebrew Christians, hey, this is who this Jesus is, and this is what he has for your life. And it's easy to get derailed because other people are telling you that Jesus isn't enough. You're experiencing persecution. It's easy to go back to what you know versus who you now know and who wants to lead your life. It's easy to do that. But he says, no, keep going. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. As Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, the author and the perfecter of our faith for the joy that was set before him endured the scorn of sin. He endured that for you and for me. And so as we think about how do you finish the race you started, I want us to hear some of the final words that are found in this letter. Because we've been in the, the book of Hebrews since the beginning of the year in 2021. And I want us to hear these final words that are, are written in this letter. Now, I want you to know that oftentimes when we get to these types of things, they're, they're called the benedictions or, or they're the last words or the last challenges. So it's easy to overlook them. It's kind of like something that says, you know, sincerely, blah, 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 right? Like, and we kind of like, okay, this is great, you know. But I don't want us to do that. Actually, I think sometimes what can happen is we can miss some of the, the powerful things that are stated here at the end. Just like when someone's writing you a letter, whether that's through an email or a handwritten note or through a text, you know, sometimes we can miss something that was said because we like to read through it in a quick way, right? You know, have you ever done that? You know, I, I scanned it, but I didn't really read it. <laughs> and I want us to be careful that we don't do that with this whole book, but specifically these last words. So if you have your, your Bible, I want to invite you to open up with me to Hebrews 13, 20 through 21. Verses are on the screen. You can also find on the Riverbend app what's called Sunday Essentials, and you'll find notes to follow along with today's message. But listen to what it says here in Hebrews 13, starting in verse 20. It says, now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, 
equip you with everything good for doing His will. And may He work in us what is pleasing to Him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, as you hear what he's saying, it's again, we don't want to miss this. He's saying, now may the God of peace. There's a God that's made peace with us through what Jesus has done for us. And this word peace is that word shalom. And it's really to be made whole and to, to be made right with God and to join God in, in seeing things made right here in the world. We're joining him to see his kingdom advance in our lives, through our lives, and around our lives. And he says, may this God of peace, now may the God of peace, who again, through the eternal covenant, the eternal covenant by the blood of Jesus, who, who brought back this risen Savior, this risen Savior, Jesus, the, the great shepherd, the great shepherd, the one who wants to walk with us through the, the highs and the lows of life, the one who wants to walk with us when we're experiencing challenges and when we're celebrating. This great shepherd, he's the great shepherd. May Jesus, the great shepherd, again, he goes on to say, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will. May he equip you for doing everything, it says, doing everything good for doing his will. May he equip you with everything good for doing his will. And I want you to just think about that for a moment, because when we think about the will of God, there's things Scripture reveal to us that are very clear, but then there's this idea of a secretive will, that he has something specific for us. And oftentimes what we can do is think, I don't have what it takes to do what he asks of me. But this tells us, no, through Jesus, the great shepherd, through the, the blood that he shed for us, through his life, death, burial, and resurrection, we have this eternal covenant, and with the great shepherd walking with us, we've been equipped to do everything good according to his will. We've been equipped. We've been enabled. We've been strengthened to do everything according to his will. And not only that, and he says, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him. In other words, he wants to do something deep within who we are. He wants to form us in his character and likeness, and that's going to transform the way we view life and what we do with our lives, how we think, how we act, the things we pursue, the things we go after. And he's saying, I want you to know that as we look at what it is that Jesus has done for you, he has provided a way for us to have this right standing with him, this eternal covenant that's based on his finished work. And that allows us to endure. That allows us to continue on. That allows us to know that we're equipped. We're equipped according, again, to everything that's good and that is according to his will. We're equipped to do that. His pleasing purposes in our lives can form and transform us. So as we think about that, there's a couple of things. First is this. We are equipped to endure until the end. We are equipped to endure until the end. And I want you just to turn to your neighbor and say, you're equipped. Go ahead, tell them, you're equipped. You're equipped. You are equipped. Because oftentimes what happens is we think, you know what, I'm not equipped to do this, or this person's equipped to do this, but not me. But this passage makes it clear, no, 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 we have been equipped through Christ. Through Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. He enables us to join him in what he has for us. So we are equipped to endure until the end. Now, I want you to think about your life, because when we think about equipping, I think it's important for us to remember what Paul would say in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. It says, for by grace 
you have been saved through faith, that not of yourself, so that nobody can boast. And then he would go on and say, for you are the workmanship in Christ, created new. And he has good works that he's prepared in advance for you to do. So this is really important. So as we think about this word equip, I think it's important for us to, to look at it from the, the lens, that's what Timothy Keller would go on to say, of our whole life. I want us to think about our experiences, good and bad. I want us to think about how we grew up. I want us to think about the color of our skin. I want us to think about our, our job training. I want us to think about the, the gifts and the skills that we have, the resources that are at our disposal. They are all part of how he's equipped us to be this masterpiece, to step into the specific good works that he's prepared in advance for us to do. And as we think about that, it allows us to understand that this isn't a shot in the pan or that this is a one-time idea, but that we continue to grow with Jesus. And as we continue to persevere and pursue him, that we can endure till the end. He has made a way, and he, through his eternal, the eternal covenant, through his blood, has become our great shepherd and gives us what we need to endure until the end. So we are equipped to endure until the end. So here's a question for you. What is the good you are doing with what he has given you? What is the good you are doing with what he has given you? One of the most dangerous things that we can do is we can walk in false humility and say, I have nothing to offer. And the other danger that we can do is walk in hubris. Everything revolves around me. And I'm good at everything. And I'm, you know, <laughs> you know, the world revolves around me. That kind of mindset. But rather, we want to walk in this humble confidence that understands, no, I have something through Jesus to offer. I have what it takes in Jesus to step into what he has for me. But I think one of the challenges as we look at that in our own lives is that at times it's easy to look and wait for somebody else to step into it versus to see ourselves as the one that should step into it. So, for example, we would hear an opportunity, and we may naturally think somebody else will do it. Someone else will do it. Someone else has got it. And I would rather us move from someone else has got it to say, maybe that somebody's me. Have I even prayed about it? <laughs> Have I even considered that maybe he's inviting me to step into this? Have I even thought that, you know, when I hear of opportunities in our kids' ministry, opportunities to serve the community, as I think about even opportunities where I work at and in my home, have I been stepping into that? Am I sensitive to what the Spirit's doing in my life? Do I believe that he has good for me to do, good works that he's preparing in advance for me to do? And so the question for each of us is, what is the good you are doing with what he has given you? How are you stewarding? Because everything that you have actually doesn't belong to you. It's from him. And he's entrusting you with it. And so what are you doing with what he's entrusted you with? What are you doing? Are you open-handed before him? I want your will and your way with my life. I want you to have your will and your way with my life. I want you to show me what it is that you want me to do. And that doesn't mean everything that comes our way is a yes. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm asking, are we getting into a place 
where we're discerning before God and through prayer and through his word and through others, hey, this is something I should step into. Or are we always waiting for somebody else to do it? Again, maybe that somebody's you. And I want you to think about that in your own life. What is it that God specifically is inviting you into in this area as you've been equipped? The other part of this is that God is forming and transforming you according to his purpose and pleasure. He's forming and transforming you, again, according to his purpose and pleasure. There are things he's doing deep within you, and he wants to do, and he's inviting you to be a participant in that, not to fight it, but to go with him in it. There are these things that we're unaware of that are beneath the surface that he's bringing up to the surface. There are things that he's saying, hey, there's this specific character issue. Maybe it's around anger. Maybe it's around fear. Maybe it's around sadness. Maybe there's even something that we haven't allowed to come to the light. There's a secretive way that we're coping with the pain of life. And he's wanting to go deep within our lives and to work within us to form us into his character and then to transform who we are in him. And so I, I want you to think about that in your own life because these are, these are things that we're invited into and he wants to do this work within us. And as he's, again, forming and transforming us, it's according to his purpose and pleasure. So here's a question for you. How is God forming and transforming you? How is God forming and transforming you? Because right now in this age that we live in, we're in the information age. And so our issue isn't information, but our issue is formation and transformation. That is our issue. There there are things within our character that are not being addressed. Who we are, and, and then what it is and why it is we're going after what we're going after. They're not informed oftentimes by who God says we are and what he has for our lives. And so he's inviting us into this. Now, as we think about this, as we think about this idea of being equipped, as we think about the idea of him forming and transforming us, as we're enduring to, until the end, part of what happens in our own lives is as we look at who this Jesus is and allow him to have access to every part of who we are. He's the one that gives us the strength that we need to continue on. And he allows us then to be able to handle both failures and successes that are going to come our way, because that's part of this condition that we live in, right? This broken world. We're both going to have failure and successes. We're going to have these moments where we're like, wow, that was amazing. But he's going to anchor us in who he is. And then there's these in-between moments that we go through life, and it's just the ordinary stuff that we're like, I'm not sure how to really go through this specific situation, and he wants to walk with us, because he is the great shepherd, right? He's the great shepherd. Jesus is the great shepherd. That is so good. That's good news for us. And I think about that in my own life right now, as I'm specifically working with my son, Ray. He's five years old. You've heard me talk about him often. But there are times this last week where Amy and I were looking at each other, and we said, we don't even know what we're doing. Like, man, we are failing so miserably with our son. We're like, oh, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And we're like, ah, oh, Jesus, help us. And I, it really led me to pray because I'm like, man, I feel like a failure. Amy feels like a failure. 
And as we're working through that together, we're reminded and, and reassured in, in Jesus, wait a minute, I want you to invite me into this space. I want to show you how to shepherd your son as I'm the great shepherd. Let me shepherd you so then you can shepherd your son. Let me shepherd you. Let me walk with you so then you can walk with Ray. And just to be reminded, hey, you know what? He's saying, in me, you're the best, best choice parent for your son, Ray. You're the perfect parent for your son. I didn't do that by accident, he was telling me. I did that by design. I created Ray in my image. I created you in my image. I knew this was part of the good work that I had to prepare in advance for you, raising this boy. And even in the things we need to grow in and be strengthened in, the ways that we don't know what to do at times, he wants to give us wisdom. And you know what? Think about that in your own life. Maybe it's parenting. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's an area of friendship. Maybe it's a financial issue that's arising. Maybe you're in good financial shape and you're like, what do I do with all this money, right? You know, maybe maybe you're like, "I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's a time issue. Wherever it is in your life, I want you to know he's inviting you to walk with him because he is the great shepherd that wants to equip you according, again, to everything that is good and align with his perfect and pleasing will. He wants to form and transform us into his likeness according to his purpose and pleasure, as this passage says. And I know that in my own life, he's trying to do that with my son Ray. God is using my son Ray to make me more dependent on Jesus. And, oh boy, do I need Jesus' help. Do I need it? Do I need him to show me the way? and, And he's growing, and he's helping me work through some deep things in my own story, about my own personal insecurities. He's always doing that. He's inviting us. He's inviting us. And this is the beautiful thing about walking with Jesus. It's not about whether you're going to stumble or fall or make mistakes. It's about recognizing when you do. You don't have to run away from him, but you can run to him. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to act like you got it together. Because he knows and he wants to walk with you right where you are. Well, this passage continues on. Listen to what it says here. Because again, we, we would be tempted to skip this, but I want us to specifically look at this. Listen to what he says. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation. For in fact, I have written to you quite briefly. And some of us are like, this, this is like 13 chapters. This seems like a pretty long letter. <laughs> briefly, right? Like he didn't do text messaging, right? Like, so he doesn't know. He doesn't know the way we look at briefly and the way he looks at briefly, right? Quite briefly. I want you to know, that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. And part of the way that we endure until the end, and as we read this passage, is we need to bear with words of exhortation from one another. And what's a word of exhortation? Well, a word of exhortation is both the affirming and the accountability. It's both the celebrating and the challenging. And in our culture, we like to pick one or the other. But in Jesus, in his kingdom, in his economy, it's both. Because you see that throughout this whole letter. You see him do both. And we need that because we need to be encouraged as long as it's called today that we would hear and walk according to what God is saying to us. That we'd hear his voice. And we wouldn't become hardened by sin's deceit and become bitter people. And part of the way that we do that is we bear under the weight of exhortation. Both the 
again, affirming of who we are and who we're becoming, and also the accountability of where we need to grow. The challenging of like, hey, man, like, I love you, but I noticed this in your life. The celebrating, man, when I watch you do this, I can see God is clearly at work in your life. And we need to get in the habit of exhorting one another towards the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. It should be not an uncommon occurrence in our lives that we pick up the phone and send an encouraging text message. It should not be uncommon in our work environment that we go out of our way to not just hold accountable, but to affirm the good that we're doing. It should not be uncommon in our homes that we take for granted the people right in front of us. They should know what we see in them, and we should call it to light. But we need to bear under the weight of exhortation. But one of the other things that you learn as you hear that word of bearing under the weight of exhortation is community. We are meant for relationships. You notice he uses words like brothers and sisters. He talks about Timothy. This speaks of community. The way exhortation is meant to happen is in community. We're meant to experience life with others. We're meant to run the race together. But then it goes on and it says this. It says, Greet all your leaders and all the Lord's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. Grace be with you all. And as you hear what he says here, he says, Greet greet all your leaders and all the Lord's people. Again, we're hearing this idea. We're hearing this idea of community. We're hearing those from Italy send their greetings. This idea of relationships. It wasn't just to one person. It was to a group of people. It was the idea that they were meant to share in it together. And when you look at the life of the Apostle Paul even, many people look at him and are like, man, that guy is incredible. Man, he started so many churches. He wrote a majority of the New Testament, all these things. But what people forget is that there are over 90 people that helped Paul do what God called Paul to do, that he references in his letters. People that don't get a lot of publicity, you know, they're not, they're not people that you would probably recognize their names. But when you look at them in the context of the life and the ministry of Paul, you start to understand it was never meant to be a solo sport. And yes, we have a race to run. There's something specific for us, but we're meant to run together. And it reminds me of the Olympics that are right around the corner. How many of you guys are excited about the Olympics, if they're going to happen? They may or may not happen, and it keeps going back and forth, but they were delayed a year, right? And one of the things in the Olympics that you notice is that there are these competitions where people compete on their own, but there's also competitions where they compete together as a team, where they have to pass a baton to somebody else. And then that person runs and passes the baton to somebody else. And then they run and pass the baton to somebody else. And as you look at that, yes, there's individual competition and then there's team competition. But the success of the other is dependent on the other. And we live in a culture that's really about independence, my way or the highway. I don't want anything to do with what you have to say. I don't want to let you in my life. That's that kind of idea. But then there's this codependence thing in our culture that says, hey, you know what? I need to be a part of a group so much so that I'm willing to not listen to what the scriptures have to say for my life and to walk with Jesus personally. And really what the scriptures call us to is interdependence. Interdependence. It's, it's just like these relays, right? They, they're, they're getting ready. They're getting in shape. They're training. They, they're doing their part. But they know that they work together collectively. There's this mutual encouragement 
and strengthening of the other. And in our own lives, we are meant to experience life that way. We are meant to run that way. Because this is what the author of Hebrews has said time and time again as we read through this letter. He says, hey, encourage one another. It's not just you and God. It's us and God together through Jesus, and we're running after what he has for us. And we're running towards the world with the hope of Christ. We're going to proclaim Jesus, and we're going to demonstrate Jesus in his kingdom and his ways together. We're meant to do it together. And so as we think about that, here's a question for you. We all have a part to play as we, ro- as we run the race together. As we think about that idea, we all have a part to play as we run the race together. We, we all have a part. So here's a question for you. Here's the question. How will you play your part? How are you going to play your part? Because you know what? We are created for a relationship with God and with one another. We're created, if we're going to go the distance, we're going to need each other to do so. We're going to need community. And that's why it was beautiful this last Wednesday when a group of women gathered and descended upon my home and watching them just enjoy being together. And Ray and I were kicked out of the house because Ray, he's awesome. He's got a lot of energy, but he likes to, you know, kind of do things he shouldn't do while people are over. And so we're like, hey, you know what? We're going to let them do their thing. But then as I came home, it was like about an hour after the thing ended, they were still talking and they're still connecting. And you know what? I want you to think about this for your own life. Maybe it's coming to one of these women's event, events. Maybe it's some of the men's things that we're doing. We're, we have a men's breakfast that happens regularly. You know, we're, we're talking about doing a men's get together where we do lawn games and a, and a fire and, and cookout. And, I mean, we're, we're working through these things. But as opportunities arise, I just want you to be thinking about, we've had a long year and a half where isolation has been normalized. And some of us really, really love that. Some of us are like, oh, I don't, I don't necessarily want to go back. You know, like, oh, like the idea of like hanging out with people again, like wherever you are in it, I just want you to know you have a part to play. We are meant to, to walk with one another and what it is that God has for us. We're meant to serve alongside one another. And a lot of times when we think about the part we have to play, we get not only caught up in the idea of coming back together and like it's kind of overwhelming and there's a lot of other reasons why that is for us. But the other thing is schedule. Have you ever noticed when someone gives you another thing to do, you're like, oh my goodness, like I don't, I'm going to slowly walk away. But what I want us to start doing now, pull out your phone. Some of you guys have phones, smartphones. I want you to pull out your phone and I want you to open up your calendar. Because here's what I want you to do. Just open up your calendar for me, okay? Just look at your calendar. And instead of thinking about adding something new, I want you to think about what you already have there, but I want you to do it differently. I want you to do it like this passage talks about. I want you to do it with the eyes of Christ that says, hey, what's the good that he's prepared in advance for me to do? And how can I approach it that way? Hey, I'm going to be here on a Sunday morning. Anyways, who can I invite to come with me? I'm going to be here on a Sunday morning. Why not go serve in a different area? I don't need to add something to my schedule. These are the rhythms I'm already doing. I'm going to be at soccer practice for my kids. Why not connect with a group of friends when I'm there? 
You know, why, why not make the time that's already available to you, but just redeem it and see it differently? And that doesn't mean there's not some things that we need to add that aren't there. But what if we just had intentionality with what's already on our calendar? Because I know that the issue in America is people often say, I'm just too busy. And that may be very true. But what if we approached our lives differently? What if we lived in such intentionality with what's already on our schedule that would impact the way that we do the everyday, ordinary moments of life? We would do it again according to this idea that we're going to endure to the end because we're equipped, that he's forming and transforming us according to his purpose and pleasure, that we are meant for community and to do it together, to do life with one another. It's going to change how we go about our days. So I want you to think about that. Think about your schedule and think about how you can live differently and better in light of what you're already doing, but just with intentionality. Let's pray together. Father, right now we thank you for the opportunity to gather, and we thank you for how you're at work, and we thank you, Father, that you've invited us through what Jesus has done for us, this, this blood that was shed for us to establish the eternal covenant, this great shepherd that wants to walk with us. Thank you, Jesus. And I just pray for anybody who's hearing this, whether in person or online, who has yet to put their faith and trust in Jesus. Lord, I pray right now, I pray right now uh, that they would see the invitation and that they would respond and receive what it is that you have for them, Lord. And I just pray right now, Jesus, you would move in their lives and that they would let us know if they've made any decisions. And then, Father, just think about what it is that we've talked about today, enduring until the end. Think about the idea that it's not just about how we start, it's about finishing. I just pray that we would have a persevering faith. Um, It seems uncommon right now in our culture for those who have professed Jesus to stay the course. And I just pray right now for our community that we would stay the course with you, Jesus, that we would let you be the great shepherd. And I think of some of the challenges that we're facing right now, whether it's in our home life or an illness of a family member or the weight of the season, God. Whatever it is that we're carrying into this day, Lord, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would remind us that we don't go alone, that you're the great shepherd, that we've got a team of people who want to rally around us. And so just help us, Father, to sense and to see you for who you are and what you say of us and how you're inviting us in. May we respond. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.